From the brink, I am Todd Brinker. Aaron will be joining us shortly. This is the after show for KCAA Radio's On the Brink morning and afternoon radio. We talk about things that are happening in the world and things that happen to be on our mind. And so that is what you get. Uh, one of the things that we were talking about as we went to break was um, the ideas for movies that you can be watching that are... Um, out there taking your mind off of the reality of being locked down and in COVID and stuff. And so fantasy movies that uh, kind of make you just give you, give you an hour and a half to two hours of, or in the quick case of Lord of the Rings, three or four hours, if you're watching the extended version, uh, of just kind of escapism. And so, um, you know, it's it's nice to remind yourself that every once in a while you can kind of zone out, make a pot of popcorn or a bag of popcorn in the microwave and, uh, and just veg for a while. So let me recap where we had talked about. Wrinkle in Time from 2018. Uh, Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring, that was the first one in 2001. Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, that's 2005. It was the fourth uh, movie in, and book in the series. Groundhog Day, 1993. The Wizard of Oz, 1939, the oldest in the list. Uh, E.T., The Extraterrestrial, that was 1982. John Carter, a not well-known movie that did not do successfully in the theaters, but I recommend. Uh, it was 2012. The NeverEnding Story from 1984. The Princess Bride, 1987. The original Jumanji, 1995. Robin Williams going crazy. And a young Kirsten Dunst as well. Avatar, 2009. Edward Scissorhands is 1990. Now that one is an acquired taste. It's a Tim Burton movie and he has a certain stylistic way of doing things. And so it may or may not be for you. Um, but, you know, that's true of all the movies in the list. There are some that work for people and others that don't. Uh, really crazy fun movie, Beetlejuice from 1988. You know, you got to say Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, and we move on to Life of Pi. This was an excellent movie. It was visually stunning. Um, some of the best um, uh, CGI work that I've seen in terms of working CGI with people, uh, in terms, you know, the, the, the boy stuck on a boat, a, a rowboat basically, with a tiger. And, you know, obviously they didn't put a man on a boat with a tiger. So it was a CGI tiger that was done, and it was done so amazingly well. It's an Ang Lee movie, um, and, you know, he clearly has got talent. He's such a great storyteller, and it was just really good source material. In fact, having read the book, I wondered how on earth are they going to make that into a movie because it seemed like it was not really movie material, but he did an excellent job. So Life of Pi, I strongly recommend. Um, the Curious Case of Benjamin Button, that's 2008. Remember the, the guy who ages backwards? He's born an old man and, and gets younger and younger and ends up a baby and dies. It's it's odd, weird movie. Aaron's joining us. Hi, Aaron. How are you? I'm good, Todd. How are you? 
Pretty good. Pretty good. I was just kind of going through some of the other movies in our list that we had started talking about. Uh, Anything that really stands out to you? Well, one that I don't know that I would have put on the list was Hook from 1991. I didn't think that was a particularly good movie. No, I didn't like it at all. And so I thought that was, in my mind, didn't belong on the on the list. But, you know, you had added uh, or talked about before we started the list the idea of adding Animal House, which I think could be... You know, you can make an argument that's a fantasy movie, and I think Animal House is an excellent movie to watch. Obviously, age appropriate, but it's uh, good. The Shape of Water is a really good movie. Um, that's 2017. It's one of the newer ones on the list. Um, now, isn't that the one where she has a relationship with a fish? Well, it's not a fish, but yeah, it's a fish man. He's like okay. a, uh, almost like an alien, but it's a, a fish man. He's a human-like amphibian, is I think the way he's described. So, human frog? I don't know. <laughs> he, he's salamander man um yeah yeah he seems i don't know that he, they say he's amphibian yet i think he breathes water so he's not an amphibian but hey whatever um monty python and the holy grail 1985 that's an older one on the list but that's just again there's some age appropriate um uh laughed uh, laughed jokes in there that you need to be be aware of if you're sitting in a living room with a bunch of kids um <laughs> It's right, a great movie. I think it really I was in is. High school the first time I saw yeah. it. Well, of course, it came out when I was in high school, nineteen eighty-five. Seventy-five. Um, oh, seventy-five. Um, came out right before I went to high school. It's an old oh, movie. Yes, that's an oldie. So, yeah. um, I think I was in high school the first time I saw it. Yeah. Here's a surprise: the twenty eleven uh, Thor movie. Oh. Uh, it's okay, you know, of the movies that are out there. I actually liked. Um, uh, the most recent Thor movie where he was um, uh, basically kind of beaten down and, and, and beat up and had to, go, you know, uh, and ha- had to go into the arena and fight. That one had a lot of humor in it. Uh, and I like a little humor, especially in, in my, you know, fan- fantasy stuff. Um, well, the, the actor in that movie has a great sense of humor. I've forgotten his name. Helmsworth. Helmsworth oh, right? Liam Hemsworth. Yeah. Oh, Chris Helmsworth. Chris is the he's hysterical yeah he really is here's a guy who is by any measure a beautiful person a beautiful man and and he's you know uh in in the more recent films he's like you know he plays a Thor that's given up and has gotten fat (laughs) he just he and he's like yeah I'm in we'll do that you know he's great yeah yeah anybody who doesn't take himself too seriously I just I think that's wonderful and yeah he is like this Adonis, yeah, and uh, you know, clearly doesn't take himself too seriously. Yeah, Alice in Wonderland from 2010. Um, that was Johnny Depp as the kind of creepy Mad Hatter, which is probably appropriate for the for the story. Um, that was yes, a well done movie. It was it was uh, yeah, it was weird, but it was well done. Purple Rose of Cairo. That was 1985. Now a lot of people because. That was a uh, is a Woody Allen movie. A lot of people are going to go. I'm not going to go see that because I don't like you know. And it's like okay, fine, but the art still stands. Um, you know, if you don't want to see it, don't watch it. But Purple Rose of Cairo from 1985 is a dream movie. I mean, it's like a dreamscape sort of. Um, the original Conan the Barbarian from 1982 with Arnold Schwarzenegger not talking. Wow, I remember that movie. Everybody thought it was the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Yeah, he he visually just was the right guy, you know. Yeah. 
He maybe didn't talk like you wanted him to talk because he had a very thick accent, but um, that's gotten better, and uh, and they've worked it into his characters, and they just said, well, cool, he won't say anything. <laughs> so, so I think if that movie were made today, it would be the the guy who played the mountain, and his name is like Hopthor um, um, Yeah, who played who made. Who, one of the guys who played the mountain, but he was by far the biggest. Like, yeah. He really is a mountain. It's funny, too. He's got this itty-bitty fiancé, this little blonde girl. Yeah. Well, and he just he just set a world record for, like, deadlift, so he really is a massively strong man. Yes, um, he is. He, he would play a good older Conan. If you're playing young Conan, like Conan when he was first starting out, like that first movie, a lot of people thought Schwarzenegger was even too too bulky for that because he's he's you know it depends on the, the, the apparently the Conan stories kind of span the whole life of Conan, and so oh. um, so you need like a young Conan and an older Conan. But you're right, uh, uh, the guy's got Thor in his name. How can he not be? Exactly. You know, he's a Viking, right? So if you want to know what it was like to see the Vikings storming your beaches, think of him. <laughs> yeah. Now, so granted, exactly he, he he's he's an example of a Viking and a half, but but wow, yeah. Well, no, but I mean that's that's Icelandic people are are descendants from Vikings. They're very very proud of that, by the way. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, people in Northern England are as well, and they are like equally yes. proud. Um, yes. Another movie that's on the list, and this is a movie that I actually like a lot, but it's it's got um, it, it caught a lot of weird flack because it's kind of telling the story a little odd. Pleasantville from 1998. Oh, is that Jim Carrey? Uh, no, it's Tobey Maguire and Reese Witherspoon playing brother and sister. And the movie starts out in black and white. And then as the movie progresses, different people suddenly become in color. They're, the two people get sucked into a TV set and they're living in Pleasantville, which is a, like imagine like an I Love Lucy type TV show, right? And so these two kids are now living in Pleasantville. And, and while they're there... They start talking about, you know, and this is they're watching reruns, right? So they're they're in a fifties sitcom, and then but they're bringing nineteen ninety eight sensibilities with them. And as they start talking about issues as somebody from nineteen ninety eight instead of nineteen fifties, they start gaining color. So it's no longer black and white. And so then they start making some not so veiled references about well what it's like to be colored. And so it's really kind of a commentary on being different. And, oh. and and having different looking skin and how people treat people that way. Um, and it's done in this very weird storytelling fashion that's just, um, if you've not seen it, 1998, Pleasantville. Um, and at the end, there's a fantastic uh, version of Across the Universe by Fiona Apple during the credits. Oh, cool. Well, I yeah. like Fiona Apple. She's yeah. very talented. Yeah, very well, young strange, Fiona Apple. Oh, yeah. Talented. Definitely a little strange, but um, I agree. I, I got our first album, I mean, like almost the moment I heard it, back when we still bought albums instead of just streamed music. Um, another movie that's maybe a little strange, the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory from 1971. Okay, that to me is the better of the two with Gene uh-huh. Wilder. I love that movie. Yeah. Love that movie. His, um, yeah, his take on Willy Wonka was a little less petulant. You know, yes. he was he was weird, but he he was, I don't know. He seemed. I I understand that the the Road Doll and the family did not like that movie at all because they felt like it wasn't what he wrote, and that the second one was much more in line with what the original stories were like. 
Um, and those are not books that I have read, so I didn't read those as a child and have not come back as an adult and read them, so I, I can't speak to that. But I, I loved that movie. When it first came out, um, we lived on an Air Force base, and I could see a movie for 35 cents, and I saw that movie seven times. Wow. I wow. loved Willy Wonka. for us. I don't know, but I yeah. loved that movie, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I liked, I liked the fact that they broke out into songs every once in a while. Um, I liked the, the visuals for me, it was just the, the, I was the right age for that fantasy in my mind. Now I realized it came out in 71. Um, and then by the time it got to the air force base was probably like 73 or something. Uh, cause we didn't get first run movies very often. We tended to get the first run movies, you know, a year later. Um, but you got in for 35 cents, 50 cents if you were an adult, um, I remember having an argument with my mom because she used to give me a dollar to go to the movies and I could, you know, get in for 35 cents and buy a, you know, popcorn drink and probably a candy. And uh, when I turned 12, then I had to pay the adult price and it was it was uh, 50 cents and they wouldn't give me any more money. So I was 15 cents shorter on my on my food budget, which I did not like. Gosh, denied. I know. I know. You know, life of the. The child living on an Air Force base circa 1970-something. Uh, <laughs> I'll, pull, I'll pull a Goldbergs. You know, it was, uh, you know, like June of 1970-something. School was out, and I was lined up to see Willy Wonka for the seventh time. Now I want to watch that show. Yeah. I just love the lead-ins. And Patton Oswalt doing the voiceovers is just spot on. Yes. He's, he's got the perfect voice for that. Yeah, he really does. Yeah. He really does. So, um, so what, what's the next movie? Are we gone through all of them? That was it. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory was the last one on the list. So, um, so what's missing? Yeah, like what movies can you think of that would be a fantasy movie that you enjoy going back to? There's no Star Wars movies in here, which oh, I think is a little surprising. You know, I, I, you know, I think you could pick... Um, you know, like the first Star Wars movie is incredibly nostalgic and got kind of hokey special effects now, but it it set the tone for everything, you know, and it was it was hopeful. It wasn't as dark as like the second one. Um, and that was a lot of fun. Or, you um, know, I'm thinking of other movies like Goonies and things, which were. Um, yeah, definitely falls in the good. fantasy world. Yeah. I, would, I mean, it was set in reality, but it was a fantasy story. Yes. So, you know, I mean, if we can call Animal House a fantasy, because it certainly was, then we can certainly call the Goonies. We can <laughs> well, call the Goonies. Exactly. Super 8. Have you seen Super 8? It's been a long time. Um, so that movie came mm-hmm. out in, I'm going to say like 2012. Um, and uh, it was a Spielberg movie that it had the same kind of personality as, as an E.T. or a Goonies, where they're... Um, the kids are having these adventures and their parents are kind of peripheral characters. And um, it was a good movie. Super 8 film, uh, movie 2011. So you were real close. Uh-huh. I was close. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. And there's a... there's a Written uh, and a directed by J.J. Abrams. Yeah, Abrams. Oh, it was J.J. Abrams. I was thinking well, it was produ- Produced by Spielberg. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. so he was involved. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I really liked it. I thought it was a good movie. Joel Courtney, L. Fanning, and Kyle Chandler. Yeah. You know what? I don't have a recollection of that movie. I'll have to go watch that one again because it just I'm drawing a blank. 
drawing a blank. And although it's not a movie, I would um, along those lines. I really like. Um, uh, oh shoot. I hate it when I do this. I've got it right on the tip of my tongue, and I can't come up with the name of it. There's a Netflix series. Um... Stranger Things? Yes, thank you. Stranger Things, which yes. I enjoy immensely. And so I would say in that genre of things, go watch Stranger Things, and then you get more than two hours worth of entertainment because there's three seasons worth. <laughs> then there's the Tiger King. <laughs> yeah, there's a fantasy film. It's that's just like a slow motion train wreck. You know, just watching this, going like, "Who's going to die before this is over?" You know, well, somebody loses an arm because uh, you know tigers, um, and then and and that was probably one of the more sane people. Um, yeah, yes. it's just that's just bizarre. That whole so, thing. Um, there's In fact, a I can't recommend series. that. <laughs> I just what can't. Was that? I just oh, can't I recommend Tiger King. It's so bad. I know you were. Um, <laughs> but a show I can recommend is the German language show Dark um, on Netflix. It's excellent. You know, I it started is... watching it and I couldn't keep going. But really, I don't know. yeah, it was just I don't know. It maybe it was a lot has to do with just the mood of the moment. I mean, I'll try it again because well, and, and, you're not the only and, person who said it's really good. Yeah, European I mean, European movies and things tend to move. Their their pace pacing is different, and the way yeah. that they unfold is different. Yeah, um, and um, you know they leave a lot. Like American movies tend to explain a lot up front. They do, and and um, the the um, they'll have conversations that to kind of set the scene. Like they'll make characters talk about what's happening. The Europeans don't do that. They, it unfolds as if you were, you know, really going through it. And uh, it's, um, I don't know how else to explain it than that. It's really good. I enjoy right. it. Very yeah. suspenseful. The uh, Wikipedia page says that uh, it, uh, it concerns the aftermath of a child's disappearance, which exposes the secrets of and uh, hidden connections among four estranged families as they slowly unravel a sinister time travel conspiracy, which spans several generations. Yes. That's how they describe it. So, yes, which just sounds incredibly intriguing. Um, yeah, like I said, I started to watch it, and I, I, I'm sure it was just a frame of mind thing. They've got three seasons. There's 26 episodes. I have not watched the third season yet. Mm-hmm. So, um, third third season know. came out in 2020. So, hey, something got out before COVID. Yay! <laughs> Isn't it funny how like we we've kind of gone through the A list of most of the things that we want to watch, and so now you're going back through like, well, what did I miss? And is there anything new? Because I just, you know, right? they haven't been making anything new for a while. No, I, like, I, you I know, want something new. <laughs> I love the show Grey's Anatomy. And I have been, you know, because they, they well, stopped filming mid-season. There's about 12,000 years of that to watch, right? Well, yeah, but I've watched all 12,000 years. And we've yeah. started, Tobin started watching The West Wing again, and we've watched that 400 times. And, yeah. Um, you know, it's a, uh, it's a. Uh, yeah, well, it's the way things are right now. I mean, we're not, we're still social distancing, right? And we go out and we wear masks yep. and we're trying to, if we don't have a need to be out, then we're not out. And um, and so we're trying to be careful. Um, and uh, uh, so, you know, there's only so much entertainment. You know, he has started running again, which is really good. I'm very proud of him. Yeah. Um, and uh, like he was, he went, he ran six miles yesterday it's 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 awfully warm outside, so I don't know 
Yeah, if you're going to do it, you got to get up early and do it before. Yeah, it, so he, it, he was getting up as I was leaving for the state radio station. Yeah, we've, we kind of hit that part of the year, too, where it really doesn't cool off a whole lot. I mean, just the last hour or two before the sun comes up, it finally is starting to get cool enough. So if you get up, you know, as dawn is cracking, you can maybe get a little bit of time in before it just starts getting warm again. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, welcome to the desert, right? <laughs> yeah, summer is here. Yeah, summer is here. I just wonder, you know, um, the gym, like we were going to, the girls wanted to join the Drayson Center over here at uh, Loma Linda. Mm -hmm. And it's, they were supposed to open this week, but I don't know if that's going to still happen. So I hope yeah. it does because, you know, they have to get ready for basketball season. Yeah. Um, well, a lot of places, you know, they, they announced like two weeks ago, okay, our plans are it's going to take us a week or two to get everything set up and we'll be open in a week or two. And in that week or two, situations have changed. Cases of COVID have gone up, and now a lot of places are going. Well, maybe we didn't mean what we just said. Yeah. So we'll see. And how isn't it all that plays sad? Out. It really is. It is. So we'll see how that goes. I'm curious. I need to touch base because I know that the um, the pool that I use for my club team is not open for me to make reservations there yet. But they were supposed to start with the high school uh, swimming and water polo people, but they're only going to allow nine people in the pool at a time. And they were all going to be in for like 45 minutes with 15 minutes of passing. And they're basically going to be there from like, you know, seven in the morning till four 30 at night. And I'm one, and it's supposed to start today. So I'm wondering if they're actually out there. I'll have to uh, shoot a text off and say, so how's it going? <laughs> yeah. I imagine the coaches are like, Oh, I'm loving the fact that I have to be here for, you know, 10 hours today. <laughs> Yeah, that's not okay. Yeah. That's that's too long. Yeah, it's not quite I, 10 hours, but yeah, I mean, they're starting at 7 and going to like 4.30. That's a long day. It is. It's ridiculous. Of course, when you only got nine kids in at a time, you can like, you know, one coach can take a few hours and then the other can take a few hours because it's not like you need multiple coaches for nine kids. That's true. So. That's true. Well, I, uh, I this COVID thing, you know, we're, we're as soon as the the um uh what are those called those protests really started waning you know they yeah. started ramping down um mm -hmm. the 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 news just went covid 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 and you know i i i believe that the things are ratcheting up i do definitely believe that i do believe that the cases are going up because but partially i think it's because they're testing more but mm -hmm. also our I, I keep hearing from hospital staff that that the number of cases like they're they're full the hospitals are full yeah yeah and, well and, and I, the deaths are going up too so it's not you know i don't know i just i just uh i don't like being in my house and being afraid right i don't like living my life like that and so i'm we're in this frustrating position of having to hunker down and mm -hmm. you know we don't want to go out and be stupid but we also want to you know get people are getting it's been four months yeah people are getting a little stir crazy yeah as evidenced by all the fireworks everywhere well, as we were sorting to st starting to st open things back up, we were creeping up on 100,000 deaths in the U.S., and now we're at 130,000 deaths. Yeah, Yikes. I mean, it's, you know, I, I, I you know, you, you try to be understanding and understand both sides of this, and you certainly don't want to put yourself or your family members at risk. Um, but, you know, you also can't just say, America's closed for business. So No. 
You know, I think they're just going to have to continue to kind of look at things regionally and say, well, where it's really bad, where the hospitals are at capacity already, you need to lock things down. And when we have some more room in the hospitals, then we can let people, you know, have a little bit more liberty. Um, but but it's got to be regional. There's no way you can just, you know, do like we did the first time and say we're shutting our doors and shutting our borders and saying, you know, stay away. Although, frankly, the rest of the world is saying, if you're traveling from the United States, we're not sure we want you here. Yeah, well, it's right. Well, Canada, is they're, they're, they have uh, their borders still closed with us. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, Europe, the European Union, I think, is not, not welcoming us right now, are they? Uh, that's what I understood, yeah. So, And and can't blame them. No, we can't blame them. You know, can't I don't think them. that, you know, there are some, there are some people out there com- saying that you know, wearing the mask is like, you know, it's a fascist thing and whatever. And I, and I don't agree with that. It's just a mask for crying out loud. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I, so I, I think that I don't know what I think. I'm kind of all over the place. I'm frustrated. It, yeah, it depends on when you catch me. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, I'm being obedient, but I don't like it. Yeah. I don't, you know, what else do you say? Yeah, that's pretty much it. You know, it's funny if you go to the Johns Hopkins um, coronavirus uh, dashboard they have a map with red dots as to where it's at and the red dots in the united states have blended all together so it's basically uh at a of course you zoom in or out you see more spaces but you know if you kind of zoom out enough to sort of see you know the u.s africa south america y- europe and stuff and the u.s you can see the entire outline of the u.s because it's just one red blodge blob whereas other places it's still dots so you know our numbers are really high now those numbers are confirmed cases and again like you said we're doing a lot of testing that other places still aren't doing testing i i don't believe the numbers that are in china where i see lots of dots i think that they're oh they're lying they haven't told us the truth from the beginning yeah you know and and europe is fairly full i don't believe that the uh that russia is is giving good numbers either so you know and i suspect that a lot of the numbers coming out of africa are are woefully inadequate as well not not because they're trying to cover anything up just because they don't have good systems in place to do a lot of the counting yeah uh, for and africa that's true. and and large portions of south america quite frankly is you know those those places they just don't have the means to count well um so i don't know i don't know you know i you know when when history looks back at this time what will they see what will they say what will what are the lessons learned? You know, I, I, uh, that we were, that we were mm-hmm. defiant and we're stupid, that we made it worse, that we, um, were mm-hmm. overly compliant, which I don't think, but you know, what will they say about us? Right. You know, yeah. how do we want to be remembered? I had a nightmare where it, it just, the, this, this continues on for like a decade. And every time it, it we, we think it's going away, it ramps up again. And it's like one of those, horrible sci-fi movies where like half the population or more of the you know 80 percent of the population's gone and people are walking the lands in barren dust bowl type of you know it was like it was a horrible nightmare last night. that <laughs> sounds awful yeah yeah I, I like i really do enjoy those post-apocalyptic type movies and stories and books I, I read them for fun um and imagine you know well, what would i do if i was in that situation but i don't like having dreams about it you should write that book todd yeah, because, I mean, you can see this, you know, it's like we're seeing these waves. Well, what if these waves never end? And each each time there's another wave, just more and more people continue to die. And the and the stupid virus keeps move, changing just enough that we can't keep up with it. We can't, you know. 
you should write that book, Todd. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's a reality anybody wants to read about right now or a, a fantasy that anybody really wants to read about it's right true. now. It's true. You're like, yeah. this is not escapist. Thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, exactly. People reading it going like, yeah, I just have to look at my door and see that. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for sticking yeah, it in my it, face. You know what is the the books? Now, it's not, not, not a movie. It's a series. Outlander is very escapist. And mm. so I know that. That's I a good read, one. I would. I want to disappear in whatever I'm reading. Right. right. I want to to feel like I'm wherever the story is. Yeah, you want to imagine read, yourself oh, oh, there and, and and interacting with those people and being in that exactly. time and place or that within that world. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And but regardless of where it's set, I want to feel like I'm there. And Outlander totally does that. Diana Gabaldon tells a story so well. And um, there, uh, there's other books like you know there are whodunit books like that. There are mm-hmm. you know other authors where you just um, you feel like you're there. Um, I actually really like Marsha Clark. Um, you know Marsha Clark from OJ Fame. Right. She um, she has written a series of of books um, that are that she's not surprisingly an, an assistant district attorney and she's solving crimes. Um, mm-hmm. But her style is so light and enjoyable. That um, I mean, it's it's not it's not great literature. It's just uh-huh. really fun to read. So awesome. um, I really enjoy her books. That's good. Good tip. Actually, the the whole idea of hey, you know, the, we we gave twenty five movies, but a lot of those movies are based on books. And if you haven't seen the movie, maybe don't see the movie. Pick up the book or download the Kindle version of the book. And start reading because, A, instead of two hours of enjoyment, you you may, depending on how fast you read, you'll get a day or two or a week of enjoyment out of it as the story unfolds. You'll get a lot more detail. And the reason they use that as source material for a movie is because the book was so good to begin with. Exactly. They don't make movies off of books that are so-so. They make movies off of books that are really interesting and have lots of source material and so, you know, go read Edgar Rice Burroughs instead of watching um, John Carter as a movie, um, even though I like John Carter as a movie. Um, you know, go read The Wizard of Oz. Go read, um, uh, I don't know, pick one of the other ones. <laughs> I'm blanking on them. Yes. But, you know, so, there. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I was just going to repeat myself and say, get a book, you know, because that's a great way to. Um, to spend some COVID downtime. And what I find is when I'm reading a book too, you know, I will go do something else, but my mind keeps going back to the book and I'll think, be thinking about it. And I can't wait to get back to the book when you're engaged. That's the wonder of a good book. Yeah. Well, and I have to say, you know, I wonder if John Carter came out at the same time as John Wick or if, um, you know, because John, if I just hear that name, Mm -hmm. I think that he is a, he is a, you know, Tom Cruise kind of, or Keanu Reeves and John Wick, you know, that kind of, like, here's another uh, leading man who Mm -hmm. is, shoots everything up and saves the day. That's, that's, with that name, that's what it's, that's what I hear. And so maybe if they had chosen a different name, it would have been better. Right. Well, it was based on a um, uh, Edgar Rice Burroughs uh, novel, the first in a series, and um, it was not... It was not um, the name the same. It was called the, the original book was called A Princess of Mars. Well, why didn't they call it that? And uh, 
I don't know. You know, go figure. The, the, the guys who make the names of movies got to do something to justify their jobs, right? Uh, yes. And so, you know, because people don't, re- if you don't realize that, the people who name the movies are not the directors. They are not, it's the movie studios that pick a name and it's their marketing department that have people who specialize in picking names that will get people to come watch it. So they're the headline writers. Yeah. They're essentially the headline writers for the movie. And um, like I said, I think the biggest problem with this was, you know, that this was written, the book was written in like 1912 and it was based in civil war times. It was based, you know, the main character was a civil war soldier who goes into this cave and finds this object that helps transport him to Mars. Right. And that's sort of the story. And, of course, the idea of what's on Mars is today, we you know, it's a desolate, you know, no oxygen. But back then, they had telescopes good enough to see that there were canals on Mars, what they thought were canals. And the, the, they posited that there was possibly people living there or something living up there. Uh, and so this science fiction story talks about that. And their decision, I think, to, to make the imagery look like it was from 19... 10, 1912, to make it look like the the age as described by Edgar Rice Burroughs is what threw people off because people yeah. were used to seeing Star Wars and something that's supposed to be spacey and futury wasn't supposed to look like how it was imagined in 1910. It was supposed to look like how it was imagined in 2012 when the movie came out. And that's where they lost people, which is too bad because if you, if you understand the, the ideology behind it, it's beautiful. It's beautifully photographed. And well done. And they play around with the fact that Mars is tiny and the gravity is different. And he doesn't even know how to walk when he gets there. You know, and they ignore the fact that there's no oxygen on Mars because they didn't know that in 1910. You know, and right. it's just it's it's I just really think it was a well done movie and it was a lot of fun and it just didn't get a fair shake. So. Hmm. Hmm. Well, is there a book that you've read that you would love to see in a movie as a movie? Um, th- well, I have one that they're making. Um, it is, um, it's a whole series. I'm trying to remember the, the name of the first one. It's the, um, let's see if I can think of the name of it off the top of my head here. Shoot. Uh, I'm not finding it. This is not making for good, good podcast and good radio here. Well, I can talk about some that I really enjoyed. Um, there, there's a Christian author by the name of mm-hmm. Joel Rosenberg who has written, he writes these books that are, um, they're actually kind of prophetic in that he loves international relations and international politics. So his novels are dealing with, with, you know, kind of current events, uh, uh, international intrigue. And the, when the way he writes them, you know, he takes Bible prophecy and he takes, you know, what's happening, and he writes these books, and they've, they've come out right before big events have happened, and that have been, you know, it's really kind of wild. Anyway, his books are really good. They're very engaging, like um, if, if if I'm reading or listening, because a lot of them I listen to when I was, when I was mm-hmm. in the car, um, they're just, you, the time flies super fast because you're just engrossed in whatever's going on. Um, it's like spycraft, kind of international intrigue. It's good stuff. So mm-hmm. he's written a bunch of books, um, and um, uh, he, uh, I believe he lives in Israel or maybe has a, a house in the United States and one in Israel. So he writes, they're 
they're kind of centered in that in the Middle East and then beyond. Um, so his the, the last jihad, the last days, the Ezekiel, Ezekiel option, the Copper Scroll, and Dead Heat are his five books, and they're excellent. They really are excellent. So that sounds that sounds very good, and it's something I might take a look at because um, I'm looking for something to dig into. What I was trying to remember, I'm sorry, because I was doing a little searching while you were talking, trying to find the so that I wasn't just like, oh, there's a thing I like, and it's good, and they're making it, and uh, I can't remember anything else about it. Uh, which, uh, you know, doesn't, again, doesn't make for great, uh, audio content, does it? Um, Isaac Asimov's, uh, foundation series. So there was foundation, foundation and empire, second foundation. It was a Hugo award winning series. Uh, it's been called the best all time science fiction series and, uh, Apple TV is making it, uh, for, for watching. Um, you know, cause he did the robot series, iRobot and that stuff. Foundation is, uh, the... Uh, basically the life cycle of a um, galactic empire over thousands of years. And so it's a grand, grand telling of, but there's space travel and, and, and you know, they made up a, a, a science of, of psychohistory that doesn't really exist, but from that he could then predict the future. And, and so, you know, it's, there's a lot of interesting things going on in there, and it deals with a whole bunch of... Uh, uh, you know, uncertainty in predictions and how that all will work out. It's, it's just a very intriguing, very in-depth series with lots of source material. And so I'm actually looking forward to that being made as a, um, well, not a movie, but as a series on Apple TV+. Plus. I hope it's well done. Uh, Apple seems to be putting lots of money. So far from what I've seen, even though not everything that they've done is to my taste, everything that I've seen on Apple TV+, Plus is well done. They're not like cutting corners on anything and saying, well, we're going to do this, but we're not going to give you enough money to make it look the way it's supposed to look or anything like that. It's all been well done by people who are apparently the, the tech people are willing to say, here's the money to make this stuff. And then they get out of the way and let the people who do movies do movies, which is, that's the best way to do it. It really is. And I know it's incredibly hard when you're the one holding the purse strings to then say, you know, okay, you go make something that's amazing and, and not put your fingers in the pie. Right. It's it takes a lot of uh, self discipline to to not want to get and in trust. there and yeah and trust absolutely, uh, but uh, they've got some some you know they've bought a few things that have been out you know that have been produced and they bought the the rights to play them and then but some of the series that they've funded I think have been really really good so uh, anyway I'm looking forward to the foundation series which I think the first episode was supposed to come out towards the end of the year but then we will see if that actually is the case given COVID and production and all of that stuff you know it, yeah I, I imagine that some production like the post-production can happen um, uh, it can happen re- working remotely right because a lot of, it's done in computers that you can theoretically do remotely but um you know all of the acting and all of that if that hadn't been shot then then i'm sure that that's it's not going to come out on time right well they've got a trailer that you can watch on apple tv and they say 2021 for this so we'll see you know i just wonder how COVID is going to do that because like you said if they're if they're not if they don't have uh their their primary filming done I don't see how they can until they get past this. But, um, you know, uh, Lee Pace, who who uh, from the um, he played the, the bad guy in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Yes. Uh, he's got a major role in this and plays one of the, the uh, major characters in this thing. And so, uh, you know, 
I, I mean, there's a couple other people. I mean, Jared Harris and Lou Lobel are people in it too. But you know, Lee Pace is probably the biggest name right now, anyway. Um, but there's the 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 visuals from the trailers are stunning, which tells me that if they've done that, they've already done the sets and done some of the primary filming because they were able to pull trailers out of it. So hopefully they're just editing and it's going to be fantastic because you figure all of those kinds of things, especially the science fiction stuff, requires a lot of CGI, which happens after the fact. Right, right. And then again, like can they can uh, theoretically, you just have the big setup at home. You can do all that work because it's all computers. Yeah, I know? mean, I, I could do video editing, the, the same quality video editing they do on my computer sitting here in the shack out back. Um, yes. Yeah, it's amazing how those tools that used to be you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to do editing are now on a computer. Now, granted, I don't have, you know, like a Mac pro that cost me $43,000. So I can't, <laughs> I can't do it as fast as they can, but I can do it. Yes. Well, like you could probably do the art, you know, like you could, I am not an artist. So, you know, even if I could use the software, I couldn't do it. I couldn't, it wouldn't look like it's supposed to look. <laughs> <laughs> You're an artist. You could. <laughs> So. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, but even then, different different talents and skills it would take. I would have to teach myself to do a lot of what they're doing because it's very specialized. By yeah. the way, if you don't, I mentioned Jared Harris as one of the guys in there. Um, he's one of those guys that I don't know if you know him off the top of your head, but if you saw his face, you'd go like, oh, yeah, he's been in lots of things. He's that guy um, in that thing. Right, very much so. I mean, he played in, in the Sherlock Holmes movies. He played Moriarty, the, one, the, the Sherlock Holmes movies with... Oh, um, yeah. With... Um, Benedict Cumberbatch. No, no, no. The the movies, the ones with uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah, so he was in those movies as as the bad guy, the nemesis. Um, he was in Benjamin Button, which we mentioned. Uh, did you ever see Mortal Instruments? No, I don't even remember what... I, that doesn't even sound familiar to me. Mortal Instruments, City of Bones. That's a, a, a sci-fi movie that actually wasn't too bad either. Uh, oh, 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 I see Jared Harris. I, I just pulled him up. He oh, yeah. was in Chernobyl. He was oh, in Chernobyl. Yeah. And he was outstanding yeah, in he's, Chernobyl. He's a really good actor. He's one of those. He's made his bones to doing smaller parts, but um, he's starting to get bigger parts because he's that good. Yeah. He is that good. He was yeah. absolutely outstanding in yeah. Chernobyl. Yeah, he's not that if typical pretty boy that, leading man him. kind of guy, but he's got he's got kind of a the crusty weathered face. You know, yes, um, but but he's kind of an everyman. Yeah, exactly. And he, but he, he's, yeah, he's really good. Um, and so I think actually in the Foundation series, he's going to play uh, the uh, the Doctor who who kind of is a big lead into it. So, yeah, I I think that uh, you know, to me that's the one I'm looking forward to. I will probably go back and reread the Foundation series stories again. I think there's like eight of them now. Uh, well, now, I mean, you, you know, <laughs> there aren't any new ones, but, uh, um, you know, Isaac Asimov is no longer with us. But uh, he he wrote like Foundation in 1951 and then the sequel in 52 and 53. And then in the 80s, he came back and wrote four more um, two two pre pre-released. I don't know, two set prior to the original Foundation story and two at the end of it. Um and so, you know, what started out basically as a trilogy turned into uh, seven novels. Wow. So lots of source material. So we are about out of time. 
Yeah, that happens. That happens. So, you know, just before we go, there's seven novels like they're supposed to be with Game of Thrones. So, but at least these are all written, so they won't get to the last two seasons and then make up a bunch of crap. <laughs> Yay, Foundation! Go, Mr. Asimov. Finish your work. Come on, Mr. Martin. Come on, George. You can do it. We have faith. Is he writing right now? That's what he says, is that COVID has made him hunker down and he's going to get this sucker done. Of course, he's been saying that for a decade. So, And that's only you know the next book. He's got another one after that before he's supposed to wrap it up. Um, I would hope that he is writing lots and lots of material and then will edit it into one of the two books. And so it's maybe not, I'm just working on just this book, but I'm working on the whole story to wrap right. this up and because the way he writes is each chapter is written from the voice and perspective of one of his characters. Yes. And so each time you go to a new chapter, it's now, you know, Tyrion talking or it's Bran talking or, you know, and it, or John talking. And, it, and so, you know, you can take those chapters as a whole and move them around. And at one point he, he, there was two books back to back that were, or at least they were published back to back that were basically covering the same timeline. All he did was take the stories of the characters that were in Easteros and put them in one book and Westeros in the other book, uh, because he had so much material for that book that he said, it can't be just one book, but here, let's just separate it by continents. And these two things happened at the same time, you know, in the timeline, but there was just too much detail to tell in one book. And because of that, I hope, hope, hope that he is like trying to wrap the whole thing up. Because I really don't want him to unfortunately pass and then have somebody assembling his notes and trying to finish the story. Right. right. You know, we've seen how that. Sometimes when that's done, <laughs> yeah. And sometimes when that's done, it's done okay. Like there's been Tom Clancy novels that have come out. Yeah. Uh, written by people who worked with Tom Clancy that yeah. were good. Yeah. Um, well, he even set it up that way before he passed. He expected them to carry on telling the story yes. of some of the characters that he created. Yes. Uh, which was awesome. You know, and it's worked yes. well. I agree with you. Those worked well. But, you know, we've seen the examples of it not working well. And so let's like uh, with with the with the with the TV series based on the same material. So let's let's not hope that let's hope that nobody else has to be stuck with that. But let's wrap it up. I know you got to get going. Have a wonderful day, everybody. I'm Todd Brinker. I'm Aaron Brinker. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow.